Well, good morning, everyone. I'm eager to share this message. I saw where my good friend John quit at uh, the vineyard said, was letting all the people at vineyard know that he was really excited about sharing his message. I'm excited about sharing this message. I, I tell John every time I see him, I want to grow up and be just like him. Uh, even the shaved head, I think, might look good on me. I don't know. But uh, we talked about priorities, plan, and prayer transitioning from 2016 to 2017. And uh, we have these pads still up here waiting for someone who are not, that's not writing down uh, what your priorities are, what are your prayers, what's your focus every single day. And there's 50 pages there, so a page a day you can get almost through February. Um, and maybe you'll develop a habit by then, right? If you're writing things down. Uh, you know, the older I get, the more I realize I need to write it down. Anybody else like that? Write it down. Prayer is one of those priorities, and that's why we mentioned it. Um, Wednesday night, I spoke about some things that happened through John Wesley and the Wesley family and things that just weren't coincidental, that just fell into place, guided by the Lord. And John Wesley was right at the front of the great revival in England that carried over into America under the leadership of people like Jonathan Edwards. These, these men, the John Wesley, George Whitfield, Charles Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, these men and, and the women that were involved in this had to surrender themselves to a greater purpose than the purpose they were living out at that time. And they were living life. They were doing life. They were, they were involved in things, but God had a greater plan. And that's why this emphasis that we're starting this year at is focus. What is, what is really important to you? That, that's your priority. What is important to you? What is the most important thing to you? And what's important to God? And if you make a list of what's important to you and you make a list of what do you feel like is important to God, when you put the, them side by side and you can truly integrate what is important to you with what's important to God, you're on the right track. And you're not going to have the ordinary or the usual take place in your life. So prayer is one of those places we want to say, I want to focus on prayer. Now, when Jesus was teaching on prayer on the Sermon of the Mount, he, um, he told everyone, pray like this way. And we have what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's not to be memorized, even though it's good to memorize, but he didn't give it to memorize and repeat robotically. What he gave was an outline as to how to approach God. And you know how it starts, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Interesting word, hallowed. It's approaching God to the point, you're my ultimate source of everything. Before he gets to any needs, you know, give us this day our daily bread, anything about the ordinary needs of life, he says, start with that you're impressed with God. Start with being more impressed with God than what else you're going through. And that's going to be one of the themes in this message this morning when we get to Luke chapter 5. If you want to, you can turn through there now. Um, the best disposition to approach God is that of an overwhelming impression of Him, not 
an overwhelming impression of the need that you're bringing to him. He didn't give us this prayer to bring our lists to him. He gave us this as a conversation with God. And that conversation begins with how impressive God is. The word holy, the word hallowed means to be holy, to remain holy. So you're saying, God, your name is holy and it remains holy. And I believe what we could write down as a prayer on this pad or, or anytime it says, Lord, I want to be amazed by you. Not, okay, God loves me. Just like the songs we were singing. To enter into a, a, a place of amazement to where it overwhelms you in the reality of what's going on, that you're communing with God. I want to be amazed by the constant presence of God. And I believe when we write out that prayer, or when we pray that prayer, Lord, I want you to always amaze me. I believe he loves to answer that prayer. I believe he absolutely loves to amaze us. You've heard the phrase, familiarity breeds contempt. Do you know where that came from? I was telling Larry, I, I like to research. You know, insanity is doing the same things over and over, and it's attributed to Albert Einstein. But there's no proof of it. But it's, it's okay, because if you don't know who first said it, just say he said it. But this phrase, familiarity breeds contempt, its first recorded use is in Chaucer's Tale of Melaby, dated 1386. Now, that's the first recording of, of familiarity breeds contempt. But I think there's another better definition of that, and it's this. Familiarity breeds complacency. Not necessarily contempt. The more we are familiar with this, the more this is familiar to us, the more it becomes casual. The more it becomes ordinary. And the more we become complacent with it. I want to take you to a profound example of how God can take the ordinary and turn it upside down and really break what is familiar to someone and make it totally unreal to them. I want to take you to Luke chapter 5. The ministry of Jesus is already going. Chapter 4 is his temptation by the enemy on the mount. And he starts his ministry by preaching in his hometown synagogue of uh, Nazareth. There's no evidence that he's already accumulated all of his disciples. He's already got his team together. It's kind of a fluid situation. He didn't just one day, like, you know, the president's choosing cabinet, just go ahead and choose all 12 of them, says, you know, I want to interview all of you, and da-da-da. Most of these people, he went to where they worked. If you think about it, Matthew was busy at a taxation booth when the Lord stopped by and says, um, I want you to leave your job and... Come travel with me. And this is where Peter and James and John, we know for sure, joined that team officially. Let me read this first 11 verses in Luke chapter 5. 
one day as Jesus was standing by the lake Gennesaret, that's another word for Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were, fish, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. If you can put that visual in your mind. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out a little deep into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. Anyone's ever been around people who fish for a living, that doesn't happen. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all the companions were astonished. And I want you to underline that word astonished because it's a key word in this whole story. They were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then said Jesus to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. That word astonished. Let me just go back and just by bullet points tell you what leads up to this. A is this. Jesus is already preaching and he's starting to develop a following. A following to the point where the crowds are gathering. And on this particular day, he was on the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee and the crowds were gathering and pressing him against the waterline. So to give him some space, he saw the two boats there. And in the boats were these people who were not paying probably much attention because they were washing their nets while he was preaching. And so he climbs in. He asked Peter, can I uh, get into your boat and push out a little bit? And he says, sure. So they push out a little bit. And then he sits in the boat and he finishes his sermon. And this is one way to, to deal with crowd control. That, you know, they're going to stop at the water edge. So he finishes his sermon, and then he tells Peter, he says, I want you to go out into the deeper waters and let down your nets for a catch. Now, here's where I want you to stop and think about some things with me. First of all, this is Peter's profession. This is what he's good at. He's washing the nets from a fishless endeavor all night long. They got seaweeds, they got shells, they got all kinds of stuff that gets into those nets. And they were probably just finishing washing the nets. And Jesus said to him, go out into the deep water and let down your net. Now, this is Peter looking at a man who is a carpenter. Raised in a carpenter's home, not a fisherman. This is a man who is a fisherman. And he already knows that the fish aren't there. He searched for them all night long. 
And he says, but Lord, since you said so, we're going to go and let down the net. I want you to see something. that Even though Peter is very familiar, he's starting to take a risk at getting his nets dirty again. I'm sure he didn't want to, like, okay, if you say so. I don't think he had any idea of what was about to happen. I'm not a fisherman, but those who are good at fishing know everything about fishing. They know where to go. Ray Keaton used to take me down the river, and he knew where the channels were, that the Corps of Engineers, and he knew how much the water level was. And believe you me, we had to go when I went with him at a time where you almost had to get out and pull the boat through some places. But he says, it's going to be really good back here. And we would get back there and catch fish all day long. But it was like this. I almost had to pledge allegiance to the flag. Not to tell anybody where I've been. That's fishermen. Good fishermen, they might tell you a little bit about how they caught what they... But they're not going to tell you everything. Here's Peter. He knows this lake. He grew up on this lake. His family. He's, he's a long line of fishermen. This is their life. He knows every place on that lake to go drop their nets. And everything he did the night before didn't work. And what happens just blows him away. Because there's something about when you feel fish, when you're fishing. There's, it's, it's the greatest thrill. I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I, got, I go with people who know what they're doing. But it's great to catch. And when he pulled that and that, and that net didn't have any slack in it, it was like, and the more they pulled, the more it, the stress on the, the net was. So they yelled across to where James and John were and says, you got to come help us. And you know that kind of got them all excited. Look at that. Because fishermen watch other people. I've been in boats where it says, don't make a bit, don't yell that you're catching fish. If you yell, everybody will come over here. Am I talking the truth or what? So, I mean... If you're out there, especially some of, some of our guys compete in fishing, you don't, you don't make a big deal. And it's like you're trying to catch the fish and don't dip it up. Don't, let's just act like, let's, let's act like we're not doing anything. Because you'll have a circus going on on around. Here all the boats come. And here comes James. And they see, they see when they're pulling on that net. And so they eagerly go over there. Now, there's some things I hope that I can share what's inside of me about this story. But the NIV says that they were astonished, that Peter was astonished. The King James says he was astonished, and everybody that was with him. But the New American Standard says, For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And this is probably more closely translated to that word. It, the word is kind of an unusual word. It means everything around you has become your reality. It's a very simple word. It says to have everything around you become magnified. And what was magnified in their minds? As fishermen, this was a record catch. This is where people are when they are bordering on having something record on the end of their hook. And this is, what, this is why they were so amazed as they began to 
pull this net and empty the net into both boats so much so that the boats were bordering on sinking. Now, at this point, Peter's reaction is very interesting. Up to this point, he's probably just one excited fisherman. Because what do you think is going through his mind? Money, money, money. Money, money, money. (laughs) Boy, this is going to be a good day at the fish market. But somewhere in that, he lost the impression of the fish that was in the boat. And he became impressed with the man standing in the boat. And he dove in with those fish at the knees of Jesus. And he said, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. What caused him to do that? Why didn't he feel that way when Jesus was preaching? Why didn't he feel that way when Jesus said, let's go on out into the deep water? Why didn't he have that kind of conviction? Because he was familiar with what was going on, but something happened that was totally out of the ordinary. And it made him see himself in comparison with Jesus. And he felt woefully inadequate to be in the same boat. He had his knees, what would have been gold to him, fish flopping everywhere. <laughs> this, is, this is the mother load. This is gold. This is, this is money to him. But all of a sudden, it's, he loses impression of that. He loses impression of what should be a monumental monetary gain that day. Does God want to bless our finances? Sure he does. But he wants to bless them as we yield them to him. And Peter was blown away and he repented. It was the revelation that the man standing in his boat was not just a man. It was God. Because he didn't have any expertise to create that. This was a supernatural thing. We sung the song, and I, I was asking Brenda, says, what's, what's that bridge again that we just sung? Uh, our devotion, what, what is it? I, I, I was trying to write it down. And I thought, well, they're not going to sing the bridge again. I'm, I'm going to have to probably do like you do, pull out my iPhone and find it. And then all of a sudden, they, they sung it again. And then Larry comes up here, and it's like, I would pray that for all of us in this room, that we would lose the impression of the ordinary in our life and fall at the feet of the one who's extraordinary, beyond the ordinary, and be more impressed with anything going on in our lives. And when we see ourselves in the shadow of Jesus, true repentance comes out of that. But we can hide stuff as long as Jesus is not in our boat. As long as we stay in another boat, We can stay away from the reality of his enlightenment, his light, his revelation, his truth, and we're never moved to confront who we really are. And if there's ever been a day that God needs to step into our boats in our place of our ordinary existence and reveal to to us not him but our comparison to him, that's when we will repent. We won't have to be reminded of praying. 
We won't have to be reminding, reminded of loving him. Jesus, we love you. You're the one our hearts adore. But he wants you to say that personally. He wants you to have this kind of a Peter-like experience that he, as an individual, not any longer a fisherman, but as an individual man, he said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He probably would have told you before that experience that he was a pretty good guy. He probably had a pretty good estimation of himself until that happened. And he says, you know, I don't deserve to be in this boat with you. You need to get away from me. I'm not a good man. In front of you, I'm a sinful man. And you don't need to be with me. Remember what Jesus said to him? The first words Jesus said to him? Don't be afraid. What was that about? The first thing Jesus says to him in response to his repentance, you know, get away from me. I'm not a, I'm not a good guy. I'm a sinful man. Jesus said, don't be afraid. What should he not be afraid of? I think the word change is coming. Major change. This is not a minor adjustment to the direction of your life. This is, a, this is about to be a major deal in Peter. He said, don't be afraid. You're going to become a fisher of men. Don't be afraid. It was God's desire. Was this all coincidental? Happen chance? Was it just coincidental that they fished all night and didn't catch anything? Not one thing. That hardly doesn't happen to professional people. And was it just coincidence that a crowd gathered at that lake where those two boats were at and where these people were cleaning their nets after all night fishing? Was that just happen chance that they were there? Was it just happen chance that Jesus said, I want to get in his boat, not James and John's boat, his boat, and push out there? And, and, and as you get this, this is not just coincidence. This is God arranging things. You see, we might think that God is not being really good to us when we spend all night doing something and it doesn't work. And we wonder why the Lord is putting us through something like that. It could be that he's got a better change waiting for you. Brenda and I stopped at, uh, we have this kind of a, I don't know if she does, but I have kind of like a, a romantic connection to steak and shake. And I hear we're going to get one in Tuscaloosa. It's one of our favorite places, is it? So on our way to Georgia, we stop at Steak and Shake. We was going to stop and eat somewhere, but she spot, she knows. She's a radar with Steak and Shake. There's Steak and Shake. I said, well, that's where we're going. $4 meal. And we used to go to Steak and Shake when we were recording at Southeastern in Lakeland. So we go in, and this young lady waits on us. Her name is... Rennie, R-E-N-N-I-E. And so when she gets through waiting on us, this a, a, just a lively young lady, young woman, and she comes back, and I ask her, I says, can I ask you a question? She's already given us a ticket. I said, can I ask you a question? She says, sure. I said, do you believe in coincidence? 
well, uh, I said, do you think it's a coincidence that we're here? I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that the Lord has us right here to ask you and to tell you that he cares about you. And that he wants, he has a purpose for your life. Well, she's just like, oh, thanks. Okay. She walks away, but here she comes back <laughs> and says, I'm a young mother of children three and one years of age, and it's been tough on me. And she just, in the little window there, shared. And so I've prayed for her. And that's, that's the fish in the boat that we need to fall at the feet of Jesus and say, I really don't deserve this. I don't deserve a part in this because you're holy and I'm not. But Jesus didn't say, yeah, Peter, you're just a lousy person. And yeah, you are a sinful person. And maybe next week I'll hang out with you. You go home and get your life straightened out. He didn't say that, did he? He said, don't you be afraid. From now on, you're going to be working with me and catching people. Isn't it interesting that our project is the Good Catch Publishing Project? You see, I believe God wants to take us past the ordinary. If there's anything I'm saying, Lord, please don't let us stay ordinary. Please, not with what? You died on the cross and was raised from the dead. And often I ask myself this question and I ask... I, and when I have an open door, I ask someone else, do you really believe that Jesus went through the crucible of the cross and was raised from the dead for the life you're living right now? Do you think he really did all of that so that you could just coast through being a believer? Is there no pressing? Is there no moving of God, a moving of the Holy Spirit in your life to press you out of the ordinary? out of that that you're okay with and you're comfortable with, into a new place, a new change, something beyond what you're capable of. This man left a profession that he knew very much how to do into a brand new profession that he knew nothing about. And you know why he was willing to do that? Because there was someone standing in his boat who knew nothing about his profession but knew everything about God doing miracles in a person's life. He said, you let down your net right here. Because he had summoned a bunch of fish underneath that boat. Supernaturally. And this is why Peter could say, count me in. Because he trusted the one who just made all those fish get caught. And see, this is what the Lord wants you to do. He wants you to trust him. Is there anything greater he will do in your life other than saving you? Is there anything he can do in your life that tops that? Well, if you trust him to do that, why not trust him for other things? For a new place. I believe God wants to take us out of the casual activities of our lives and plant us into the supernatural. Repentance repentance is this. Let me give you a new definition of repentance. It's acceptance of the reality that Christ is above all and worthy of our highest level of devotion and worship. It's not necessarily what you're turning from. It is, but not, that's not the greater 
thing. It's what you're turning to. It's who you're turning to. It's walking his trail. I want our praise team to come back. I want us to sing that song again. We might wear it out before the day is over. Jesus, we love you. But we're going to sing it differently. Because I'm constantly breaking copyright rules in this church. Because I'm constantly singing songs that's not written like that. I did today. I just rewrote this song. And it's not because I'm like a, I don't like to conform to the pattern. I want to, I want, I want everything about me and the Lord personal. I want it personal. You know, I was, I was thinking, praising the Lord, and I was like, Lord, what, what can I take credit for when you got a hold of my heart when I was a kid? And there was a love for you that was deposited in me at eight and nine years of age. What can I take credit for? When that young, in a way, I was the guy in knee-deep fish. Didn't know really much about theology, but I knew this. He was speaking to me that day. And the greatest day of my life is that day. Everything else widens my appreciation of him working in me. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at 2017. We're only 15 days into it. To say, Lord, I want to go from one amazing moment to another amazing moment. I do not want to live days where if someone asked me, well, how was your day? It was okay. It was okay. I don't want that. I'm sorry. I don't want okay. I want somewhere in the okay for heaven to explode over me in some way. Whether it's in the morning when I'm waiting in his presence or somewhere through the course of the day, a young lady named Rennie is standing in front of me and I have a moment to talk to someone I'll probably never see again on this side of heaven. I have one single moment out of three minutes to tell her that the Lord loves her. And lo and behold, the next day, I have a young lady and a little girl come to the door of my son's house who are Jehovah Witnesses. The Lord brought them to me. I didn't have to go to them. And in about a five-minute conversation, I was able to share with that child who Jesus really is. And believe you me, since that day, I was like, but Lord, I should have said more. Anybody else like that? I should have said more. I should have got down on my knees face to face with this beautiful child. I mean, she was like a portrait. She's this beautiful little girl with this beautiful spirit and heart. And I told her, I said, I'm so impressed with with your spirit, your heart. But I want her to know that Jesus died for her and that truth is not in Jehovah with this dogma. It's, it's in the reality of Jesus. I will tell you this. She handed me a, a thing saying, what is truth? And she wanted to say, I want to let you know that there's a way to know truth. And I said, 
Do you know that there was a person who made this statement? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I said, do you know who said that? And she kind of paused. She's like, I said, it's one of the most famous people that's ever lived. She said, Jesus? I said, yes. I said, so if you know him and he said he's truth, guess what? Do you think you might know truth? She says, yes. And so I just witnessed to him a little bit. I've replayed that again and again. I said, Lord, I should have done more. I should have, I should have said more, but I don't know. But I walk away from this and say, how neat is that? You know, I want that every day. I want someone, God just puts them right smack in front of me and says, here's your project today. And because I'm praying that, guess what he does? He surprises me. Oh, I saw him walking down the sidewalk. I asked him, I says, what can I pray with you about? And boy, they were ready to leave then. I was like, well, well I'm going to pray for you. Would you stand with me? And, and I just want it. You might not fall on your knees at fall before Jesus' knees, but I want to I want you to do something with that, what Peter did, to say to the Lord, I surrender my rights to make my decision. I want you to guide me in my decisions. Speak to me, Lord. Lord, I just pray this morning we can make a commitment. To follow you and get out of our customary boats. What we're used to to say, Lord, where you lead me, that's where I want to go. That's what I want to do. And not be afraid of change. There may be someone here this morning that the Lord is speaking to you about a change in your life. That he is about to lead you into a time of change. And if that is you, I want you to just come and stand here and, and be like Peter says, I accept, Lord, whatever it is. You might not even know what it is yet. You say, Lord, I accept what you are going to do in my life. I've been praying about change this year. And whatever you have in front of me, I'm going to go ahead and accept it. And you come and surrender yourself to that.